Greetings and welcome to our sixth Grave Words, the after party for the Something Something Dragons live play of the Carrion Crown Adventure Path. In this episode, we're going to be recapping our most recent three episodes of the AP, which would have been episodes 22, 23, and 24. And we're going to be asking the characters just a little bit about their characters with some details that haven't shown up in play. We're going to keep this particular after party fairly short because, again, due to the magic of time traveling recording delays, you guys are hearing this into the new year, but we're recording this over Christmas break and we all have other things that we need to do. As always, uh, I'd like to remind people to go ahead and keep giving us questions via email at untoldstoriesandgames at gmail.com or via our Discord. Keep leaving us reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. That really helps future audiences find us. And hey, if you're listening to us and you haven't rated and reviewed us already, why don't you go ahead and do that? Please. Please. So we'll start with our recaps. And uh, the first episode we are recapping is episode 22, which is Welcome Home. Hmm. Mm. I don't remember anything too important happening in that episode. Shut up and just do the recap, please. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the episode that began with when you had opened the door and found the corpse of Professor Lorimore standing there, ready to say hi. That's not ready to say hi, that's trying to uh, murder me. I mean, he reached out for you. You killed me! Well, yes, but... Yeah, so that, yes, that was the episode with Professor Lorimore's corpse, and pretty much... Most of the entire episode was taken up just in the fight with uh, the dead Professor Lorimore and his undead minions, which he had summoned. Anything that anyone feels like tossing out? Questions, comments, rotten tomatoes? Stop calling the cadavers zombies? We <laughs> just learn what they are. If it's dead and it smells, it's a zombie to me. It's not how it works, though. I know it's not how it works, but the way I see it is Eklund wouldn't know the difference between a zombie and a cadaver. Sure, but Talia has now explained it to you. Are we forgetting that Eklund is about as, like... Eklund doesn't really care about anything. He's like... About that. He, sees, he would... sees the undead in terms of zombie and stronger zombie and bony zombie. Yeah, y'all fought the dead professor. You managed to defeat him as well as the additional cadavers which he summoned he tried to escape using darkness but y'all managed to get through that which was very disappointing right. for me haha <laughs> <laughs> you got sick but we'll cover that more in the next episode you mean I wasn't sick I was sick here yeah um so uh, if there's nothing else we can go ahead to the next one. Well, the next episode was titled, This Place is on Fire. Oh, I remember that one. Yes. Although that didn't actually happen until the second half of the episode. The episode began with all of you uh, getting a visit from the sheriff in the morning. Mm-hmm. Along with the councilman and the father. And... They basically threatened slash coerced you into saying, yes, we'll go take care of your uh, undead problem at Harrowstone. Yay. So go to jail. Hmm. Yeah. Do we huh. really have a choice in this is the question. I mean, you did, but not much of one. Um, yeah. We had a choice. It just wasn't a good choice. Right. <laughs> yes. I think 
Well, both were not very good things, but honestly, um, going back to the present was probably the lesser of two evils. Because <laughs> at least uh, it's fun. Indeed. At least I hope so. And for the sake of our audience, I certainly hope so. And we die. Yeah, you could die in prison too, but... Uh, yes. We both were present. So that happened. You also got to... Uh, Kendra told off the, the father and said that she would take care of burning her father's body herself. Mm-hmm. What if you got a magic ring from the professor's corpse? I think we gave it to his office. You did. Wait, give what? Sorry. The Didn't magic, the ring of protection. Oh, yeah, because I need that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And... Squishy. Uh, you got your disease taken care of at the church... You did a little bit more research, but it didn't go anywhere. Uh, you went and hung out at the inn for a little bit to socialize and be seen around the town. And we can't roll good, apparently, on diplomacy checks. Right. Uh, then the town hall meeting happened, and just as the people of the town were told that you were going to go up and to save them... Didn't like this. A couple of lanterns burst, and the place caught fire. And then burning skeletons came through. And we slapped all the fire. You started. Uh, the rest of the fire putting out didn't happen until the next episode, but... Well, yeah. And, um, Aliris and, Tal- and Talia nearly died. That was fun. I was only yeah. at zero. In D&D terms, only at zero is a third of the way to dead. Yeah, well, we're not fighting this D&D. Pathfinder. We don't have any black damages, just like we healed up, there's no real trauma or anything. Like, we can get so close to dying, and then we're fine. You know, it's actually interesting, there's a really cool, um, not meme, but a post that I saw floating around the internet a while that was talking about how utterly surreal that would have to be to live in that kind of world, and to be an adventurer and have access to that kind of magical healing, and what it would do to your mindset about just all of the processes of life. Like, there's so many weird implications that you would start to have once you realize, it's like, I've been shot and stabbed and poisoned and on the verge of death multiple times to the point where it's like, how much am I really like the ordinary people anymore? How much at this point am I more like the monsters I fight? That would be so interesting. So. Oh, that would be incredible. Flynn already considers himself past that point because he has no idea how to interact with humanity in general. Yeah. But how would he relate himself with nature and the rest of nature and in those terms, though? And then it's just- He sees himself he sees himself pretty closer to animals than humans. Sure, but animals, when they get hurt- Well, yeah, they, they can't exactly they do that stuff either. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> He also sees himself as, I mean, he's got rocks for eyeballs. He knew his whole life he wasn't all the way normal. He heals fast when he gets hit with acid. Like, that's not a human thing. He always, he would always look at himself and be like, well, yeah, I'm not human. I'm not normal. All right, but even then, Talia looks at herself at, I'm not human. I'm not normal. Yet. You're also not the only Oriad on the world, in the planet, you know? Exactly. There's other Oriads like you. There's probably plenty, actually. Or... No, but I haven't met any other Gaflanes, but I know there's gotta be others. 
None of us are human, really. Oh, Not really, just... period. None of you are human. Yeah. Oh, Luther. Yeah. Well, maybe is not a part of the party. I'm talking to the four of you. But anyways, so yes, that episode ended with Illyris unconscious and dying, all of the skeletons destroyed, the place on fire, and that was where we left off because I am a cruel, cruel GM. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. All right, so episode 24, which starts with you in a burning building, was aptly named. This is fine. <laughs> And so far, that might be one of my favorite episode titles. It's a good one. All right. So in last week's episode, you guys had uh, finished putting the fire out. You the, had the councilman basically say, look, we shouldn't have been dicks and threatened to put you in jail. Uh, instead, <laughs> we should have asked for your, we should have asked for your help. And uh, hey, I'm going to throw lots of money at you. <laughs> too much money. A bit too much money. To be honest, I would have gone back either way, but yeah, money is appreciated. You finally managed to get what research is available on the Splatterman. You used the spirit board twice, one time to find out a little bit of information about the uh, collection of holy symbols that you'd obtained, and the other time to try to find out about the spell book that Azatha had obtained from the Splatterman. Wait, one uh, of those hunted well. One of those ended great. You got a little bit of useful information. The other one ended with Talia stabbing herself in the hand with the spirit planchette. Fine. So we had a misunderstanding here because I thought it meant I was pinned to like the table. It was like temporary, um, what's it called? Like ghost inhabits your body or whatever. Possession? Possession. Possession, yeah. Temporary yeah. possession. Mm-hmm. But like I had thought what he meant was like I kind of like put my hand on the table and stabbed it through, pinning myself to the table. Apparently you didn't mean that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, was... I didn't did intend it to be quite that horrific. That's terrifying. I mean... I think you'd take a bit more than 1d4 damage, if that was the case. Well, honestly though, I feel like that makes sense for that. Three points of damage plus one point of bleed. I suppose so. For losing a hand. Yeah. Lose? I went through my palm. Yeah. And with magical healing, I mean, that will but heal. If, if that... Oh, right, yeah. Thinking if it... Well, yeah. Magical healing. Yeah, that exists. It does. <laughs> uh, the other thing that happened in that episode was... Uh, Azatha started reading the spellbook and found that there are some great useful spells in there. Which she will eventually- And I'm do. having hallucinations. And Yay. Yeah, now you're having visions of your own name written in blood on things. Which you know is how the Splatterman liked to scare people before he came to kill them. So. But I'm sure that's yeah. a coincidence. I'm glad I know that he uses that to scare people so that I'm expecting it. But still. Woo. The impending threat of death. Honestly, not that scary. I mean, unless it's someone else's blood. But really, it's not that scary. If I woke up and found my name on the wall in blood, I'd just clean it off, honestly. I disbelieve you. I do, too. Like, in real life. You know? No, in real life, no way. I 100% disbelieve you. It'd probably be like a dog. The, the, the dogs would bark if anyone got in, really. Which is why it would make it scarier. Bark, it would be all the scarier. Exactly! 
I mean, as long as it's not the dog's blood. Because then I would straight up murder someone. What if it's somebody else's blood? Like someone that lives in your own house's blood? Human? Well, I mean, as what long as it's your blood. Oh, well then that's kind of weird, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> it's not profuse. Yeah, I guess. Thing. Like, if someone cut off my hand, that would be a little bit disturbing. You know, I wouldn't have a hand, and then I wouldn't be able to play. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit disturbing. Just a little. It would be more confusing, really. Like, if you woke up out of nowhere and like, Whoa, where's my hand? That's not- that's like, not Oh, no hand. Guess it's another first day. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Well, and then the other thing that happened was the episode ended with all of you going back up to Harrowstone and we left off with you all hanging out just outside the gates, getting ready to venture back inside. Anything I'm forgetting from these three episodes? Any questions that you guys wanted to ask that you haven't had a chance yet? Yeah, who the frick- what, what ghost possessed me? That I cannot tell you. Probably an evil one, because it's- Pro Betting it's the- my- it's Fairman. Hanging Fairman, because like, I wasn't- so the spirit planchette description is very vague about what spirits are there. It just says that if the will save is failed, the spirits in the area will take temporary possession of the person's body. So we all know may, there's spirits in the area. Yes, it may be uh, one of the Harrowstone ghosts. It might just be random spirits who are being mischievous or. Hey, uh, what if it was actually a communicate, but they just have very bad hand-eye coordination. <laughs> like, they tried to move the planchette over a letter, but oh no, it's a hand. That's not a letter. No, there's a different- yeah, We've been making me uh, grab the planchette so. and stab myself. And then like, also, stab yourself on accident. The reason I feel like it was him is because, like, I get it, you know, mischievous is one thing. Asking about, hey, what is his spellbook doing to my friend? And you know, if I was a different ghost, if I was a ghost and someone was asking for info, I would have, I would have mess with them. I might have been like, I'm not answering that. Here, uh, we're gonna hide. You're gonna make yourself hide something, and then you're gonna forget where you hit it. So you gotta go find that now. Ha ha ha. I wouldn't make them stab their own hand. But if I was an evil ghost and was like, oh hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, they're asking. Oh, my spellbook, what I'm doing to this human? No, 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 no. Stab yourself. <laughs> it makes sense. I think the worst thing someone could do would be to jam a drawer so that whenever you tried to open it, it only opened two inches so you could see everything in there but couldn't get anything out. <laughs> that would be pretty bad. Clint would tear the drawer right out of the thing. Right. Alright, so, anything else? Or shall we move on to our one list or cast question this time around? Uh, I mean, I have one question, but it's just, it's kind of arbitrary. Just does Anton have, I know that he doesn't have fangs, but does he have like long teeth? I'm planning a fan art. I have never seen him as having any sort of pronounced canines of any sort. Okay. Because it said on PFSRD that they, that Dompiers have elongated canines, but not true fangs, unless they have a certain blah 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 trait thing. Right. I'm gonna do a fan art of him using his teeth as a bottle opener. Like, sticks his teeth <laughs> into a fork and pops a bottle of champagne. Guys, Luther, Luther has a canine. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So now our question. And this is one I've actually been sitting on for a while, but we've had a listener question, so it's been moved to the back of the line. And my question is simple as why. Sensible people, normal people, don't decide, hey, let's go risk our lives by fighting monsters for how to survive. So what has set each of your characters on this path? Why are you out adventuring instead of, you know, hanging out in an in, in a town, living a normal life of some sort? You know, why does anyone do anything? Sheer absolute boredom. I mean, most people don't go out and risk their lives just to avoid being bored, but okay. Wait a minute, I know this is questioning my morals and decisions. Well, you're also 14, which means that, you know. Well, I mean, not yet, but okay. You're pretty close. Alright, so Illyris is doing this because otherwise Illyris would be bored. What about Talia? Um, well, alright. I actually get an easy way out, kinda. Okay. Flames are very curious. They want to learn everything about the world. And just sitting in a little town doesn't seem like the best way to do it. She also worships the god of travel. Right. But she wants to be traveling a lot. And then, you know, it's just... She's very intrigued about the world and wants to learn things. Also, she has a ghost following her and needs to figure out how to get rid of this. Uh, I right. would like to add on to my answer, if okay. that is a thing I can do. Um, so, the first, like, the first prequel episodes was mostly because, well, Professor Lorimer was asking, but the, the main, the main, I think the main meat of the story would be the term for it. Is that right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, for that part, it was mostly because she assumed everyone else would be back there, and it was better than just going home and doing something else. Well, it's fun to chase scary things, and life is okay. short. That's, that's basically the gist of it. Okay. What about Azatha? Wrote down some of, um, uh, my words. <laughs> Azatha's backstory to flesh this out a bit more. But, um... Let's see, let me go over this real quick, just oh, yeah, get my thoughts together. <laughs> okay, so, um, so Azatha, um, she's, um, uh, Nalini, not old, not, uh, words, ah, uh, she's, uh, Nagaji, who, um, was, her species was obviously created by the Nala, and, um, to basically be servants for them, and she, um, always um thought wow this isn't right i want to get out of this place and like find my own destiny and yeah and she basically didn't want to be um yeah she um she didn't want to be confined to doing one thing her whole life like ju um yeah uh. <laughs> no i got it she it's, kind it's of has this fear of, of independence independence exactly yeah she has a bit of a fear of um not being c to control her own destiny i guess is one way you could put it so i would imagine that being mind controlled would have to be absolutely terrifying for her oh yeah <laughs> hey why are you asking gm i'm just about to say in the chat you just gave him the meat for the next four nightmare sequences oh joy well, it would make for an interesting plot, wouldn't it? Alright, and then finally, Eklund. 
it, Eklund's destiny was tied to his first meeting Lorimore. Because before that, Eklund had been, um, like, he didn't do much. He, um, he lived in the woods, he hunted, and he ate. That's about it. Until Professor Lorimore got attacked um, by an owlbear in the woods. That was how Eklund met him, and why Lorimore sought him out for the, uh, the first six episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and Eklund, that was where Eklund got his first taste of, this thing could kill me. He didn't have the same, like, barbarians are supposed to have this, like, thrill of the chase kind of a situation when face down with a deadly opponent. Eklund was just more like, I have to say, I have to do this again. I have to save someone else. So he, he started, he went back to his normal life, but he started chasing down bigger and bigger prey, learning how to fight things in melee combat versus just slinging them from across the room. And then... Oromor, um, found, sought him out for the, uh, like, the f preliminary episode, and then he just got bit by the adventuring bug, never went back. Between the adventures, he just went to every town nearby, got himself roughed up a bunch, and b coming back here was honestly a very good thing for him, because he was starting to get to the point where he was like, I just gotta do something big, and he probably would have gone out and gotten himself killed fighting something. So now he's managed to channel that adventuring bug into this. And although he still loves his peace and quiet, he could never go back to his normal life without feeling like something was missing. Alrighty. Well, I think that is going to be a good place to wrap up this particular after party. It's a little shorter than normal, but, you know, it's because uh, we still have an episode to record today, so... So with that in mind, thank you so much for being with us, audience. I hope that you are all having a wonderful new year. Um, we look forward to joining you a couple of weeks from now. And until next time, keep an eye open for mimics, never feed a goblin, and something, something dragons.